there's so many things people can be passionate about, but if you can just become the best resource there is for whatever it is that you're passionate about, the opportunities for monetization can really grow. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Ah, just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done? Because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house, do you think it's going to stand out more? I think so. And our friends at Fund That Flip, you know Fund That Flip, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show before many times. He's a friend of mine. He's also the owner of Fund That Flip and they're a sponsor of today's episode. What they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you got to do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've got to qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process, but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's going to help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff and we only talk about the best real estate advice or insight that can help you with your real estate career. So today we have a special guest and because it's Sunday, we always do skill set Sunday. First off, I hope you're having a wonderful weekend. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about a specific skill that this best ever guest will teach you. And that is how to monetize your passion. So as a real estate investor, if you're looking to dabble in other things, or if you are not in real estate and real estate is your passion, then there will be some insights that today's guests will share with you. First off, let me say hi. How you doing, Danielle Sabrina? Hey, Joe. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show and a little about Danielle, and then she'll get into her background in more detail. She is the owner of What Vibes Your Tribe and Tribe Builder Academy, which helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs monetize their passion and do what they love full-time. That is how we got to the Skill Set Sunday today. And she is a regular contributor to the Huffington Post. So if you just Google her name, you'll find all sorts of wonderful articles that she wrote on with the Huffington Post. She's a social media strategist, a brand manager, and her skill set is monetizing your intellectual thought property and thought leadership marketing. So we're going to talk about that, and that's going to be the focus of today's episode. She's based in Derry, New Hampshire, D-E-R-R-Y, New Hampshire. With that being said, 
before we dive into skill set, Danielle, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Yeah, absolutely. So I come from a financial planning background. I actually dropped out of high school when I was younger. I only went to my freshman year for a little while. So hopefully if there's any listeners out there that are like, oh, I don't have the best education that, you know, you can take from that. But I dropped out of high school. I was a high school delinquent. I ended up being a teen mom. But when I turned 19, I had an opportunity to take my Series 7, which at the time was a third house exam in the United States. And I passed it. So I was like, woohoo, you know. And I continued my career in financial planning. And by the time I was 22, I ended up making like well over six figures because I was recruited to be the director of a financial planning firm. And I thought I had made it. I thought, okay, that's it. That was the place that I wanted to be. You know, I had a big house. My kids had horses. We went on vacations, all this stuff. And I felt purposeless. And I'm like, okay, so this wasn't the answer. Like it wasn't just financial success. And then I really started looking inside and kept asking myself, what is it that I'm really passionate about? What can I always talk about no matter what? What do I always find myself talking about? And that ultimately ended up being businesses. I always talked about, then you could start a business or you could make money doing that. When I was really young, like seven, eight years old, I constantly get in trouble for trying to charge all of the neighborhood kids money to be a part of my club and that I organized events and like, you know, which were basically like bicycle races or, <laughs> you know, like really, I don't even know. I just was trying to make money off them. And parents were constantly coming to my house complaining about that. And, but I look back at it now and I've, you know, there's other things that I did also like throughout my adolescent years that <laughs> were entrepreneurial, but maybe not so great, but it always, it, it always kind of came back to being able to just monetize yourself in some way, whether that is by providing a product or service or whatever it is. I really love the idea of being in control of making my own money. And when I was in financial planning and I had that great corporate job, which was wonderful, it was such an excellent job, a great working environment. Like I have not one bad thing to say about it. It was just that every day was the same. It felt like, and I just felt like what I was contributing didn't make me feel very purpose-driven. And, you know, after some exploration, I decided to create, you know, because I'm so multi-passionate. That's the other problem. Well, it's not like always a problem, but when you're, I'm interested in so many things. So when you, when I talk about monetizing your passions, a lot of times people are like, well, I like doing so many things or I'm interested in so many things. And it was the same way for me. So I constantly, I was like, okay, get, get happy, make money. That's going to be my brand. Cause I want to help people get happy and then I want to help them make money. Then like, you know, no momentum. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to create a brand around me. Like I'm just going to brand myself and just start taking on whatever projects come my way. And I'm not going to define exactly what it is I'm going to do yet. As soon as I did that. And all I did was focus on following the people, creating digital information through my intellectual thought property so sometimes it'd be a tutorial or just be my thoughts or, you know, coping skills that I've used to get through things in my life. And all of a sudden I had this group of people that came to me regularly and I, and I put them into a Facebook group and I fostered that relationship. And then everything kind of fell into place from there. That was how my brand got created, What Vibes Your Tribe, because everyone came to me and were saying, well, we need help finding our tribe because they were solopreneurs or 
some of them are real estate agents and, you know, they're just starting out in their field and they're building their teams. And they were like, you know, I, I know we need to take a different approach to marketing. It can't just be that, you know, I'm a real estate agent or I'm a copywriter. I'm a copy. There's got to be a different approach to it. And especially with on marketing and building your tribe, it just allows you to monetize almost instantly. That's kind of how the name What Vibes Your Tribe came about. <laughs> Sorry, I know it's like a really long explanation. <laughs> That's good context. It gives us a lot to work with as we identify how to monetize your passion. A couple follow-up questions just to get more context before we dive into that. How much were you making? 200, 100? I think it was almost 300. You're making almost $300,000. When did you leave and what were the circumstances? It was back in 2007, 2008. Um, really good circumstances. I had gone to the owner, the president of the company, was which is who I worked directly under. And I was super honest about how I was feeling. And then I just didn't know what I wanted, but I, I knew that I wanted to do something on my own. I had explored at the time, it was, I don't know if it's still called Kaplan, but it was Kaplan University and they used to be Dearborn and they create a lot of training materials. And they had flown me out to Chicago to their headquarters to meet with their team about creating a training program for financial advisor assistance. And they gave me an offer on that and it required me to travel to their different locations globally. So to different countries and whatnot. And at the time, my daughters were still really young. I want to say that they were probably six and eight years old. I was like, oh, that's not what I want to do either because I want to spend more time with my kids. I want to spend more time with them. So that wasn't resonating with me. I just went to him and I just said, you know, I got to do something different. I need some time to figure out what that is. And it was really great because I was able to find someone for my position and train them and have a really good, positive experience departing from a company that I had helped build, which means you're really integrated in there, you know? It's really hard to do. It's a really right. hard thing to leave so, like a salary like that. Yeah. And I was going through a divorce. So that was that like kind of threw something else in the mix too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I'd say that there, there are many variables in play there. So that was 2008. Is that correct? 2008, right? Yeah. Okay. That was 2008. You then ventured off into you know, the entrepreneurial world. When did you become profitable? Between What Vibes Your Tribe and leaving the financial planning firm, I had opened up a couple of retail boutique stores that were in one spot. And I quickly found out because, you know, I thought, oh, I'm passionate about products because I loved at the time makeup and skincare. And I, I loved all that stuff. And I was like, oh, that's what I'm passionate about. I'll do that. And it was such a good learning experience because I know that I will never, ever do anything in retail again. <laughs> I hated it. It was awful. Right. So that was not profitable. In fact, I, that was a major fail. I ended up file, filing bankruptcy and closing the stores. You personally filed bankruptcy? Mm-hmm. Wow. So from 300K at 22 years old to filing bankruptcy shortly thereafter. And then what was the next venture? This one. <laughs> okay. I had a lot of healing to do in between that because just going, th I think just being like a young mom and going through a divorce and just, there was a lot of like periods of learning experience. I feel like I kind of hopped over and then I needed to learn different coping skills and I needed to learn how to hold space for myself and others. And I really needed to learn to prioritize what was truly important because prior to that, I had been so driven financially to create 
because it was just a, a belief that I had instilled in myself growing up. I ended up buying the, ho- the house that I lived in was a house that my mother used to drive my sister and I around this neighborhood and just say, oh, you know, can you, let's just imagine what it'd be like living there. Can you right. imagine how great our lives would be if we lived in that house and da, da, da. And I bought that house, like for that reason only. And once I lived there, I was like, this isn't a house for me. I don't like living here. You know, it was like right. not the style that I even like, you know, right. just things. And I really had to like correct a lot of those things. Okay. All right. Sorry. I just, I want to make sure I uh, heard the answer. How long did it take you to become profitable after you started your own ventures? So after I filed bankruptcy and I had uh-huh. that going on with the, the release of stores, I just did odd and end type contracting okay. work just okay. to keep on my feet. So I can't For, even really keep say that was like, a, yeah. you know, it was just anything. And then okay. it was in April of 2015. So it was a year ago. I just put myself out there and I was profitable. I feel like almost immediately because within six weeks I had sold out of my first coaching program. I had grown my email list. And then, I mean, within three months of that time, I was asked to become a contributor to the Huffington Post to talk about monetizing your passions and doing what you love full time, which I feel like this was a really big deal. I feel like I'm really blessed to have that opportunity. It's definitely helped me get featured in like recently I was featured in Inc. I'm Mm -hmm. getting featured in Entrepreneur and Forbes. And that was instant, but the difference was I didn't focus on bringing in revenue. I focused on building my tribe and I focused on thought leadership. Got it. All right. So I think now we're getting into the meat of this. You focus on building the tribe and thought leadership, not revenue. So let me ask you the million dollar question. And that is, how do you monetize your passion? Do something that you love full time. And I'm asking for the best ever listeners who are listening. Um, Well, you know what I can do is give you an example of something that I'm doing presently with a client because it relates to real estate. I have these clients that do real estate and they're incredibly passionate about real estate. But one of them is also very passionate about permaculture. In fact, she's pretty well known in like the permaculture industry. And her husband is very passionate about self-development. But equally, though, with real estate, so that all of this can tie in together. So what we're working on is creating a separate product based on permaculture for real estate that will create a passive revenue stream, but at the same time, bring in perspective, having different um, reason to get in front of people so that when someone goes to list their property, they think of them. Mm-hmm. They're the first person that pops up in their mind because they see them in so many different ways there's so many things people can be passionate about, but if you can just become the best resource there is for whatever it is that you're passionate about, the opportunities for monetization can really grow. I mean, if it's a product that you're passionate about, you can get into affiliate marketing and make affiliate commissions just by putting a link on your blog or small steps like that. And I'm not talking about just diving solely into affiliate marketing because that's a whole beast in itself. Mm -hmm. But if the focus is to attract people that share the same thought space as you, then monetization can come in form of speaking opportunities. It can be in the form of an ebook. It can be in the form of a physical book. It can be in the form of a training tutorial, an online course. It can be anything. And I'm, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just ways to monetize are, I feel like, endless sometimes. It's a matter of how you can put yourself out there so that you can monetize your passion. You can't just say, 
Oh, all right. Yeah, I know a lot about this topic. Let me write an ebook. Start with blog posts. Start guest posting on different blogs. Start interacting with people that share that same thought space as you do. So I love the becoming the best resource there is for whatever you're passionate about, and then the money will come. I believe that, and I've witnessed that with my podcast. I do it daily. No one else in the world's done it daily as long as I have for real estate investing, and I've seen what can result from it. The podcast is free. So I, I, I totally get that. You should be able to monetize it on the other end. Right, exactly, which I have with awesome. my podcast <laughs> and, and then raising money through relationships I make. And the big thing for me for the, the money maker is establishing relationships with people who hear my voice every day and then them eventually investing in one of my multifamily deals. And that's, that's where the, the big dollars are. So with what you're saying, becoming the, the best resource there is for whatever you're passionate about, how do you identify the tactics for becoming the best resource? Do you mean like the outlet for like, how do you identify? Yeah. yeah. So whether it should be like video or written, is that what you're saying? That's correct. Okay. I think that you have to be mindful of where everybody's moving towards, which right now there's a lot of live streaming going on and video is huge. So I wouldn't be afraid to find a way that is comfortable for you to tap into that. I mean, especially where all this stuff is free. I mean, it is free to jump on Periscope. It doesn't cost any money to hit live on Facebook. So start with where you feel most comfortable. Some people hate writing but feel fine doing a podcast or something. So take the podcast, strip it and get it transcribed and then have someone turn that into an article. I mean, you can certainly put the transcription just straight as a blog post as is or an article or whatever, but think of how else you can use something that you're doing. This was my podcast episode that I was in charge of. I would be turning it into an article. I would be turning it into a how to, I would probably turn it into a video by creating a little slideshow with it. I'm just a really big fan of repurposing as much as possible mm -hmm. and getting the most out of whatever you're putting your time into. I love it. That makes a lot of sense because then you can really use your time effectively because you're able to do one thing but then repurpose it for many different purposes or in, and on ch different channels. Right. So the people who prefer to listen have that ability. The people who prefer to read have that ability, you know, so that you're reaching people on different channels. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable on video. And it is really uncomfortable at first. I mean, I like scrutinize myself every single time on video. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm moving my mouth weird. Why am I doing that? Like, why am I doing that with my hands? I, you know, oh, I can't even watch this. But nobody likes themselves on video right away. And it gets easier. And if it's really a block for you, a video can also be slides and audio doesn't necessarily have to be you on camera. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about as it relates to monetizing your intellectual property, something we're passionate about that you wanted to mention? I would just maybe want to emphasize the importance of building a tribe of fans and followers. And you seem to be doing a great job with that on your podcast. So you, they should just follow what you're doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> just follow that. But bring them together. Don't underestimate the power of bringing people together in a live area by holding, hosting like an annual event for your listeners or for your fans. 
if you want to keep everything completely digital, then of course, you know, maybe you can do some sort of live webinar or just, you know, bring people together in a way that they can also start creating community with each other and, and hold that space for them. What I found is Facebook groups are the best for that. Do you have another method or it sounds like you did a Facebook group too? I love Facebook groups. They're starting to get really popular. Like they're just Facebook groups are everywhere now. I feel like last year when I did my Facebook group, barely people were like, oh, there's Facebook groups. Like they were not even really like people didn't know that the groups existed. But LinkedIn groups are really powerful as well, depending upon what your niche is. And LinkedIn in general, I think is a good platform to start exploring other areas or even further what you're doing professionally because a lot of times LinkedIn is the only social network that is allowed on corporate intranets and in fact it's often encouraged that their employees and whatnot are, are on LinkedIn whereas they probably couldn't even type in Facebook like that URL would be blocked. I can say firsthand whenever I started a private consulting community I was using Kajabi, K-A-J-A-B-I, mm -hmm. and I still do, but I initially was going to have that as its own community, and that just doesn't work because people just don't naturally log into a resources site like that, whereas on Facebook, they're always there. So what I ended up doing is I ended up basically hosting all of the content on Kajabi and then saying if you have questions, if you want to join in on the discussion, then join the Facebook group because it's, it's much more engaging. Absolutely. And I love Kajabi. Kajabi is a great platform. And if you're talking about membership courses and stuff like that, I think that, yeah, Kajabi is right up there with ClickFunnels. And I host my own membership site on my WordPress site and I use Infusionsoft. So those are really good software platforms to use too. But yeah, people are already on Facebook. Any of the courses or communities that I'm involved in, I rarely log in to get the content anymore because I've already usually have gone through the course material. And I get the most value out of the Facebook group. In fact, I've made decisions to invest in certain courses or programs because I got access to a Facebook group. Well, Danielle, this has been really informative. Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can the best ever listeners learn more about you? DanielleSabrina.com is probably the best place. I have a free Facebook group that you can join too. And I believe the link is on my website. If it's not, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash get happy, make money. And that's a free community. I do a lot of trainings in there that are free. I keep all of that free. Awesome. You should get a URL, get happy, get money from GoDaddy and then just redirect it to the Facebook group. I don't want get happy, make money. I jumped the gun. So ah, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Fair I'm enough. like, Fair yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been great. I love yeah, hearing you. about how you said, I mean, very succinctly, become the best resource there is for whatever you're passionate about and the money's going to come. I believe it. I, I don't think there's any, I, I think that is the main insight from our conversation that I took away. I was taking a lot of notes during our conversation, but that's the main one. And yeah. there's proof all around us that that's the case. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Joe. Bob Malecki and his team at Resolution Capital Management partner with individuals to invest in distressed residential mortgage notes. If you're interested in doing a joint venture with them, where basically you invest alongside with them 
and sharing a portion of the profits based on how well that individual project goes, then go to rcm.company forward slash JV. That's rcm.company forward slash JV.